Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. All right. Well, it's such an honor to be here. I, When Alex was speaking about um, the group that we've been doing, I don't think I would be standing up here today if it wasn't for that time, that intentional time that Jake and Alex and Bria took um, just to walk us through the core values of the church. And I just can't be more thankful for that. I feel like just a totally new person in the Lord. And it's not because of the information that you guys shared with us, but it's because you showed me the heart of God. And I love God now so much more than I did when I first walked into, the, into Saints Hill back when we were at Northside. Um, and so that's just what I want to do today is I just want to stand up here as someone who just loves God. And I want to show you how beautiful he is. And I just want us to walk away just more in love with the Father than we were um, before we walked in. So thank you for that. I will treasure that forever. Um, Okay, so I'm just going to start with a little background to my text, and then we'll jump right in. So the text that I was given, it's just three verses, pretty fun, Um, and it's best read as an extension of Jesus' explanation to his disciples of the parable of the sower. And so Alex spoke about the parable of the sower last week, where he talked about where we, in order to receive the life-changing seed of God's word, Um, the condition of our soil is really important. And he talked about how the condition of our soil is our heart and how we get new soil is through trusting God to give us new soil and spending time and intimacy with him. And so um, some theologians will actually even include the text that I received in that explanation of the parable of the sower. But upon looking at it for a while (laughs) last month, I feel like Jesus is sharing another parable to drive home the same point which is the condition of your heart really matters to the Lord. So let's dive into the text. Can you throw that up? Amazing, McKenna. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read it. No one, and this is Jesus talking, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. So I'm going to pray and then dive in. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that you speak to us, God. And I thank you that you've spoken to me this week. I can think of no, no funner thing than sharing a word that I received from you. And so I ask God that it would be your words that are spoken, that any part of me, any part of my strength, any words that maybe I came up with, came out of my own um, understanding would just fall to the ground and that you would speak, God. Because we came here for you. We came here to hear from you, God. That's what our hearts long for. So would you just continue, God, just in that space where you met us in worship, would you meet us here in your word? We love you, God. We pray these things in your name. 
So Jesus, oh, yeah, the text isn't there, but Jesus begins this parable by speaking about light. He uses light as a metaphor. And with light, I believe we experience two responses. We want the light, but we also fear the light. Light has this dual nature in that it illuminates, but it also exposes. So we want the light because we want things to come to light. We want true justice. And I think of like any movie that you've watched, or if you're watching the news where it's like, Chris and I just watched Fugitive, the old like Harrison Ford movie, and he's like unjustly accused of murdering his wife, and you know he didn't do it, and so the entire time you're like, who did it? I want this to come to light. I want that person to get justice. We want people who have committed crimes to get what they deserve. But we also want the light because we want to be seen. We want to be known. It's the scariest, but one of the deepest desires of our hearts is that we would be seen for who we really are. But because of that, we also fear the light. Because in being seen, we don't want to be found out. We don't want to be rejected. And we really don't want to get what we deserve. So we want a certain kind of light, don't we? One that exposes what we want and hides what we don't want to expose. But I'm going to talk today about Jesus. And Jesus is a different kind of light. And his light can do so much more. What I believe Jesus is saying in this parable is that what his light can do in your life is tied to your perception. So if you don't think that light needs to shine on you, then you won't actually have ears to hear, eyes to see, or a ready heart to receive his light into you. And I'll be honest, like this is a pretty cryptic passage. (laughs) Um, And so it's one to spend time reading and pondering, and there are a number of ways to interpret this text. But this is going to be my best attempt at what I believe Jesus has spoken for us this morning. And I need a drink of water. Why did I do this? <laughs> I'm going to leave that open. Wow, thanks. Mm. Oh, I thirst. Okay, <laughs> I hunger and thirst. All right. Let's jump in. Jesus is addressing a perception issue in verse 18 when he says, be careful then how you hear. He doesn't say be careful what you hear or be careful what you do. It's important to him that we hear something a certain way. And throughout the Gospels, we see this all the time. Jesus would teach and minister, and some people would walk away just filled with light, but many others would walk away empty-handed. But they both heard the same message, the same words, the same content, but their response was connected to how they heard. Uh, Last week, we learned in the parable of the sowers, they all received the same seed. They all heard the same thing, but the condition of their heart determined their outcome. So I want to spend a little time at the beginning to just look at some of the characteristics of those who couldn't hear right. Who were the people that walked away empty-handed? And I believe we get a really good example of that in the Pharisees, who were the spiritual elites of the day. And I want to preface this with saying, I don't actually think the Pharisees were necessarily the super villains that we've like made them out to be, or we're always like, oh, the Pharisees, the bad guys. Um, Jesus was upset with them, but they honestly look probably more like people who have been Christians for a long time than we'd like to admit. Um, the Pharisees were perfectionists. That's something some of us talk about proudly, <laughs> that we're perfectionists. They were concerned with doing everything right. If they did everything right, God would love them. They wanted to feel justified by their works. They wanted the light to shine on their outside, not interrogate their insides. 
Jesus' emphasis on hearts and his teachings stripped them of their power and revealed their need. They could wash their hands, they could follow the rules, but they knew deep down they couldn't be good in their hearts. So my first point this morning is the light of Jesus exposes our need. I believe that the common denominator for those who walked away lit up by Jesus was their awareness of their need for him and their willingness to let him meet that need. See, the thing is, when we get around Jesus, the one we were created for, we are confronted with our deepest need, which is intimacy with him. Jesus came to save us from our sins, yes, but why? So that we could be intimate with him. It's not just about him canceling the debt against us, it's canceling the debt so we can come with boldness into the throne room and be with him. And he exposes that need with his beauty, with his light. He's not going around like, oh, I can't wait to see what sin is in their heart. <laughs> He's like, I can't wait to go in there and light them up. We see this, an example of the difference between people that walked away with light and those who walked away empty-handed. Um, in a story Alex actually preached a couple weeks back about the woman who breaks the alabaster jar in the feet of Jesus. Um, Jesus is dining with his disciples at Simon's house. And Simon, uh, I believe he was a Pharisee, he's just laser focused on doing everything right. He has the teacher in his home for dinner. He wants everything to go perfectly. And honestly, I resonate with that. If Jesus is coming to my house, I would want it to be clean. But there was this woman who comes in with great need and she screws it all up for him. <laughs> she does. This woman is described as a sinful woman. That is how the Bible describes her. And she sees Jesus as so precious because she saw how much she needed him. She knew she had lived a sinful life and she saw that intimacy with him was worth losing both reputation and inheritance as she poured it all out on his feet. In light of her need, she was moved by his beauty. She saw who he really was. She saw who she really was and she saw the beauty of the kingdom and what he had come to do and she gave the appropriate response. Jesus' light then leads to one of two options, to recognize our need and surrender or to recognize our need and walk away offended. So what keeps you from hearing? Needing to do things the right way like Simon? Needing to be seen or perceived a certain way? Maybe even just being offended that someone would think that you need help, <laughs> that you're not as good inside as you thought you were? This story of Simon and the woman, someone was moved by their need, but the other didn't recognize his need for Jesus. It's all about perception. It's really important that we perceive accurately. Can I get the picture on? Yes. Okay, I love this picture. I'm, I'm not really an art person. I like to look at it. I don't know a lot about it. But this is Rembrandt made this. Um, and it, I think, Chris, what's the word? I keep forgetting the word. It's a print. Yeah, and so, <laughs> so he like, <laughs> he etched this into something and then he would like print it. Um, and Chris and I got to see this at the British Museum a couple of years ago when we were there. And so it really doesn't do it justice on the slide, but when it was on the wall by itself, it really drew your attention. You walk over and you just stare at it and there it is. And it's just, all you can see is light coming out of the darkness and the light is shining out of Jesus. Um, and something that I found really interesting about this painting and about Rembrandt is that he would paint the mold for this print himself and he would always add extra ink to the left side. 
It was purposeful that some people in this painting are being lit up and some people are not. I think it's also really interesting if you look at the two thieves on the cross, one is in a posture of receiving the light of Jesus. The other one is not. They both needed Jesus, everybody does. But only one perceived his need correctly and was able to receive Jesus in that moment. So this is why Jesus is taking on how we hear. How we hear is connected to how we receive. And in this text, Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. They said they put it on a stand so those who come in can see the light. And when I first read that, I thought, of course, he's talking about us. Like, we're the light of the world. We're the city on the hill. And I think that there's some truth there. But I also was very moved in, can you keep that picture up, actually? Thank you so much, McKenna. Um, in looking at this picture and thinking of this scripture, and Jesus says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so that leads to my second point this morning, that God has his own candlestick, and it looks like a cross. God takes Jesus, his most prized position, and he puts him on full display on this candlestick, on a hill for everyone to see. On the cross, Jesus lit up the world and ushered in a new covenant, one of grace for sinful people that was bought at the cost of his blood. No one in history has ever shone brighter than our beautiful Jesus when he hung on that cross. And what did he say? He cried out, Father, forgive them. Father, accept them. They know not what they do. He knew our deepest fear and our deepest longing to be known, yet fear of not being accepted. Accepted. Our greatest desire to be known does lead to our greatest fear, rejection. We fear rejection, but you know what is crazy to me is that Jesus shined the brightest in his moment of greatest rejection because he knew he was accepted by the one who mattered. So if Jesus says that he is the light of the world, if we believe that, then we believe as light operates in the world, so he operates. He illuminates, he brightens those with light who receive him, but he also exposes. And because of this, no one can respond neutrally to Jesus' teaching. If Jesus is light, then he will see into you. But to those who receive, this is not something to fear, but a promise that what he exposes, he will purify. Chris was explaining to me, Chris is so smart. Chris, <laughs> I was giving this to him and he was explaining to me that a lesser known function of light is that it purifies. Uh, and then Alex was telling me that Donald Trump said something about that. And yeah, but it's true, I looked it up. <laughs> Sweet President Don. Um, and, sorry. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna read the quote, it's science. UV light disables bacteria and virus, disables bacteria and viruses by attacking and disrupting their DNA. And once the DNA is damaged, it can no longer function or reproduce. So it can no longer cause infection or harm. The light of Jesus, when it shines into our hearts, disables the root systems of sin. So sin can no longer infect you or harm you. 
the one who exposes us, scary as it may be, is the only one who can heal us. And he's the only one who wouldn't look on us with judgment. The only one who wouldn't look on us and say, oh, too yucky, can't do something about that. He's the only one who truly knows, truly accepts us. And he knows our destiny. He knows who we could be. So when we, he looks at us and we let him see him, we let him see us, under his piercing gaze, our flesh begins to die. And we become the new creation he promised we would be. Which that's a good, that's exciting. That's what the Lord does. I'm just talking about it. Okay. There really is, I talked about the two desires, right? It's like we want light for justice, we want light so we can be known, but I really believe that there is a third desire, and it's one that many dare not even whisper. The thought of it is almost too precious to speak, and it's that we might become the beauty and the truth and the grace that we long to see. We want to become the light. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote in The Weight of Glory, um, it's, a really, it's one of my favorite essays, Um, But he kind of takes on this idea of glory, and he has this quote in it that I thought really just encapsulates this feeling. We do not merely want to see beauty, though God knows even that is bounty enough. We want something else, which can hardly be put into words, to be united with the beauty we see, to pass into it, to receive it into ourselves, to bathe in it, to become part of it. Jesus, our light on the candlestick, was lifted up, not just so we could see, but also become light with him. And if that sounds too crazy, and you don't believe me, maybe you'll believe Paul, (laughs) when he says in Ephesians 5, 8 through 14, for you once, you were once darkness, that is who you were, but now you are light. You are light in the Lord. So live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. When the light of the world shines on us, we become like him. We become the goodness, righteousness, and truth that we long to be. We become light. So the next like, natural question that comes to my mind is, what is a person of light? Whoa. Need to calm down. What does a person of light look like? I don't know if Alex Mosher is here. Oh, she is here! Yay! Okay. I didn't see you. That's awesome. Uh, I wanted to take a minute to honor you, actually, because when I think of someone who is light in this world, I think of you, Alex. And I haven't gotten to spend as much time with you as I would have wanted to, but in any interaction that I've had with you, anything that I've seen you post... Online, I have seen the light of Jesus just completely part of it. And you have lit up the room, and it's not just like, this is my personality. It's like, this is the light of Jesus, and you are so clear about that. And so I wanted to use you as an example to talk about what a person of light looks like and what all of us can look like. 
Alex, I believe because you have opened yourself up to Jesus and let him see you, you are unafraid. You live unafraid. You're not constantly censoring yourself. You're secure. You're joyful. These are, this is the fruit of a person who is living in the light of Jesus. They have allowed the light to fully see into them and accept them. We talk a lot about us accepting Jesus into our heart, and I think that's awesome, but it's like really important that you know that the Jesus you accept into your heart accepted you first. He wants to be in there with you. (laughs) Ephesians calls these people children of light, and they're not trying to be anything other than what God has made them to be. Children don't know how to do that yet. And shining, they expose the brightness in others, not because they are trying to expose it, but because they are living so brightly. When you live as a child of light, you give everyone a choice, just like Jesus did, to want and desire after it or to be afraid and walk away without it. In Matthew 5:14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And so when we become light with the Lord, we are also put on display with Christ. I think it's awesome that Jesus is to take up his cross and follow him and to shine like like he did on the cross. We take up our crosses and follow him as well. We take up our candlesticks, (laughs) as it were. So of course, the natural question is then, how do you get it? How do you get it? It sounds like, to me, it's like I wanna be light. How do you become light? This passage finishes with a rather cryptic truth in the last verse that at first glance may appear unjust. Maybe even at second glance. <laughs> it says this, to whoever, to whoever has, more will be given. But to whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. I wasn't gonna not talk about that. <laughs> but I just sit with that. What does that mean, Lord? And I felt like the question for us this morning, it is connected to light. It's what do you have? What do you have? I was reading, um, good thing I brought this guy. I was reading (laughs) the crucifixion this morning to prepare because it felt like the Lord was like, I want you to see me. I want you to see what I did. And as I was reading, Pilate is unwilling to sacrifice Jesus, sacrifice Jesus because he sees who Jesus is. He's uncomfortable with the idea of sacrificing the son of God. There's belief there and there's really a lot of discomfort in his heart. So he responds to the Jewish people, take him and crucify him yourselves, since I have no grounds for charging him. We have a law, the Jews replied to him. And according to that law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. What do you have? Do you have a law (laughs) that you're trying so hard to follow? Do everything right? I missed the joke. Can someone tell me? Just kidding. Okay. (laughs) What do you have? Revelation 3. uh, Yeah, we're going to go there. Revelation 3. Uh, Jesus is talking to the the church of Laodicea, and we call them the lukewarm church. So they're not hot. They're not cold. They don't love him. They don't hate him. It just appears they don't need him. And so he says this. You say, I am rich. 
I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Perception. You think you're one thing, but you don't see who you really are. I counsel you to buy from me gold or find in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. We see here an example of those struggling to perceive correctly, and Jesus' solution is actually super simple. To hear and perceive is to open the door that he's knocking on, to let the light of the world into your place of need, even if it's scary. His promise to you is that if you open the door in an act of surrender, he will come in. He will come in and he will eat with you. He will come in and accept you. He's not coming in and being like, well, I guess I gotta clean the house first. He comes in with a meal. (laughs) The fear of letting him in and being rejected falls to the ground when we open the door only to find that he brought dinner. He came to feed you, to light you up, to expose in order to purify that you may share in his light. So what do we have? I can tell you what we can have. We can have the light of life. We get to have him. We can let him into our hearts and he can be ours and he can never be taken away. If you think you have him, but what you really have is a collection of your best efforts and good works, you won't become light. You will become tired. And if you found yourself thinking just now, maybe it was what you knew or what you did that got you into the kingdom, your need got you into the kingdom and your surrender got him into you. He chose you before you had anything to offer. So if you're here this morning and you're afraid to be exposed, which makes a lot of sense, we spend our whole lives trying to protect ourselves from being exposed. Just start there by being honest. It pleases God so much to be honest with him and to just say, God, I hear you knocking and I'm scared to open the door. But I'm gonna talk to you through the door for as long as it takes. <laughs> He's not walking away from your door, you guys. He just wants your heart. And so we can't even afford to turn opening a door into an act of performance before him. (laughs) He's there. He wants you. So would you guys just stand with me? I just want to take a minute. I feel like there's just an invitation on this moment, on this message. Jesus is using invitation language. I think it's so beautiful that he doesn't push his way into our heart, but he extends the invitation that we can open and let him into that place. And I wanna say, the church of Laodicea was a church 
And a lot of times we read that text. I come at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, let me in as like a salvific text of like, um, if you let Jesus into your heart, you're saved kind of a thing. And I don't think that's how that text is read. I think it's a daily thing for us. It's something we, we all, whether we've walked with the Lord for a long time or we haven't ever opened a door to the Lord, we live a lifestyle of where, what are you knocking on? What are you saying? I'm gonna give my heart to you there. I'm gonna open the door to you there. And so this is an invitation for all of us at any point on our journey <laughs> to just listen. God, what, are, what do you, you wanna light up in my life? Because what he does with the things that we try to hide is he lights them up and he uses them for his glory. And so the places of greatest attack in your life will be the greatest places of testimony. And I think like the strongest place um, like a strong foundation for you to stand on. So, guys, so just close your eyes, and if you want, open your hands. I'm just going to invite the Lord. Lord, would you just come and speak to us, God? Would you give us ears to hear you, Lord? We want to become people of light. We want to become children of light. Children of light are so free. There's nothing blocking them from you. They can reflect you just totally. And Lord, we want to be that. So God, I just ask you to illuminate us now. Light up what you want to light up in our hearts. King Jesus, we're here for you. So just take a moment to listen and see what, if the Lord's speaking anything or shining a light on something in your life that he wants to rescue you from. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.